been a remarkable week in Milan with a focus on the future of the ATP with the next-gen finals showcasing the skills of the top eight players 21 and under. With a different format and different rules, the tennis has been of the highest quality with the first winner going through the tournament undefeated. Deciding point, championship point, great point to send it to a tiebreak. Uh, this is all what it's all about. Outfitting for a final right now. If this hits the net, it just drops over. No, we'll have no. all the rules in play. Championship point number three for Hyun Chung. Deciding point. Serves to the backhand of Rublev. It sits up Chung. Puts it away! The biggest weekend of his career so far. Hyun Chung. His first ATP World Tour title. But he was made to work all the way for it. Rublev, a high-quality final, but in the end, Hyun Chung is your first next-gen ATP champion. 3-4-4-3-4-2-4-2. Hello and welcome to the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast as we look back on the week in Milan and look forward to the NITO ATP Finals in London this week. And remember, you hear all the action of the singles and doubles on ATP Tennis Radio. I'm Peter Mercado alongside Arvind Palmer for the podcast. And Arv, it's been a, a great couple of days in Milan. We've had all sorts of rule changes. We've seen that the future coming through and all round as a product, it's worked particularly well. Yeah, it's been a great week, uh, not just the weekend. Uh, I think the tennis throughout has been very exciting. We've had the ups and downs in matches. This format has shown that uh, it's edge of your seat sort of stuff. There's no downtime. The rules have, in my opinion, the majority of them have worked really well. And, and I've just loved uh, how committed the players have been as well, how excited they have been and shown that, that they are in Milan and the quality of tennis and how badly they've, they've wanted to win these matches as well. We've got plenty to come in this podcast. We're going to hear from the Rotterdam Tournament Director and Wimbledon Champion Richard Krychek a little bit later on. And when we focus on the NITO ATP Finals, we'll uh, catch up with the coach of Grigor Dimitrov. A big uh, week coming up for him, along with an interview with uh, Daniel Medvedev, who was competing in Milan this week. But the champion, Hyun Chung, a fantastic performance from him. He went through the tournament undefeated. Didn't have it all his own way against Andre Rublev. Rublev taking the first set, but then as uh, the Russians level dropped, Ayun Chung was able to seize the opportunities at the crucial moments and run out a deserving winner. Yeah, his emotional control in those tight moments was excellent. He was able to, as you're alluding to, take advantage of that dip for, from Rublev. Rublev, I think, always going to be a player that's going to have ups and downs and those uh, those emotions sometimes boil over and, and it did for what you felt like 15 to 20 minutes and, and Chung was able to take advantage and uh, things got nervy there towards the end as well for, for the South Korean. He was able to hold on there in the end and um, you know I think back to, to another match he played this week against Medvedev where he was two sets to love up a breakup. It was a breakup in the third and the fourth. It, fourth it went all the way to the fifth and he got it done there. So you know he's uh, making quite a name for himself when it comes to you know squeezing through those those tight tight situations come come the end of matches. 
who are the standout players for you from this week? I mean, there's so many different moments to yeah. choose from. Denis Shapovalov winning the uh, ATP uh, Star of Tomorrow award and uh, the sort of, not the rookie of the year, but the one who's made the most improvement on the tour. And then you've obviously got Andre Rublev, the top seed, coming into this event, who had just the one loss on the way through to the final, performed particularly well. And the, the guy like Gianluigi Quincy, who's yeah. uh, ranked well below these players in the rankings, came through as a wild card into the event, uh, the Italian, but performed particularly well. What were the standouts for you? Well, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, you know, you can make a case for, for the majority of them, you know, that strung a, a decent tournament together. A few, a really good tournament, but for me, I think uh, what we saw from Rublev, I know he lost in the final today. I, I love the way he plays. It's that kind of fearless sort of tennis. Sometimes it, it gets him into a little bit of trouble, but he has the game, I think, long-term to to really be able to trouble the better guys out there. You know, think of the top 10, top 20 in the world. You know, he finds some consistency. He grows in a bit of confidence and has more experience on gains experience on, on the tour. I think he has the game to, to take it to them. Love the consistency of, of Chung. You know, for me, he's been he's been great all year considering you know, the dip he had in 2016, he had to deal with a few issues physically, dropped outside the world's top 100 and, uh, and and now, you know, back around 50. So it's been a good year for him and he's had injuries as well. So 2018, uh, hopefully going to be, be a great year for him and, and maybe he can push on and, and break inside the top 30. That that would be fantastic for him. You know, his all-round game is, is very good. Uh, doesn't possess a, a huge amount of power on his serve, but he's very accurate with it, and uh, you know, so quick after his after his second serve as well. So he's, he's tough to to hit through. We've seen so many occasions this week where you know, so quick around the court, lateral movement, the strength in the corners, the way he pushes out, and you know, he's very tough man to to knock off balance, and he, he can also come forward as well. So a well all-rounded game, and and a guy that we've seen this year that can play on all the surfaces too. And we're looking forward to seeing these players next year. The incentive enormous, even those who just missed out on playing the finals. We saw and we've talked about on ATP Tennis Radio, uh, you might have thought this might be exhibition sort of style tennis. Wasn't the case. The, the players were bang up for it and certainly will provide a lot of incentive and a good way to end the year to be recognised for their work. And certainly it'll continue next year in Milan. Just a word on the rules. I mean, a lot of them were great. I mean, Hawkeye didn't miss a beat. So no lines people there. The technology worked particularly well, whether you like it or, or not. Uh, the player coaching was fascinating at the end of sets. Some players took to it, others didn't, but it was interesting anyway. The shorter sets obviously gave us a, a few more dramatic moments uh, throughout. The shorter warm-up was fantastic mm. because we got play underway pretty quickly. What were the rules that stood out to you and, and ones that might take on, on the main tour in years to come? Well, for me, I think all the time sort of elements of them were very good. I thought that the 25 seconds in between points, so I mean, that was hard and fast. I know it's pretty well policed now on the, on, on the main tour, but still players taking a little bit of time, but there's just no sort of wriggle room there. It's plain to see for everyone. No soft warnings for players. Um, for the five-minute warm-up was great. Just plow on through. That, that, that for me, could come in tomorrow for, for, us, for what... You know, I think about it. I think it, it worked. It worked very well. Um, the scoring, I think they have to experiment. I think in my eyes, just a little bit more of that. But like you say, very exciting at times. Uh, you know, quick fire stuff. It, it, it was good. I thought 
player, sorry, crowd movement worked well. Players get very precious, uh, precious about kind of silence, and, and you can understand that because when it's very quiet and then there's a little bit of noise, then it's very off-putting. But if there's just that constant sort of hum going on, that buzz, then players can adjust. They can they can get used to that. So that 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 was quite good. Um, Hawkeye calling, I think, uh, like you say, didn't go wrong at all. That's good. I think, you know, I think as far as fan participation, the viewer at home, I think they might like the build-up of a Hawkeye challenge. So I think for the players, I think it's good. Keeps it nice and simple. But for, for viewers and fans, maybe they would like a little bit of interaction as well because it adds to the enjoyment of, you know, the slow clapping and the, the ins or out, is it, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, on-court coaching, I thought worked well at times. But um, overall, for me, I'm not a massive fan of it. I like, I like it just to be one-on-one -on -one and see these young guys and, and the older guys just problem-solve and, and, and uh, I guess, self-coach at times as well. I think that's what's so uni unique about our sport is that you don't get any interaction. You shouldn't have any interaction from coaches. A lot of the, of course, the team competitions, you, you can speak to your, your coaches and everything. So uh, for me, I think uh, a, a huge plus are, are, I think overall on, on the ex experimentation of, of the rules. Well, one man who didn't play in this tournament but will be part of the NITO ATP finals is Sasha Zverev. He did come down to support the event and play an exhibition match against uh, Stefanos Tsitsipas on day one. And he did have a go at the new rules, including the on-court coaching. But it wasn't his dad who he was yeah. talking to. He decided to have a bit of fun with the top doubles player, Marcelo Mello, who was on the other end of the headset. So, are we going into another set? Oh, he's having coaching. Oh, little bit Here we go. You're too slow now. No. You know, your, uh, your coaching skills are just as bad as your FIFA skills, right? You do realise that. One thing. Uh, you have to Marcelo Mello. Like when I normally do when you play FIFA, go and make a goal, serve and volley. Just show something for us, serve and volley, or do something uh, like this. This no? is singles. Yes, yeah. you're, you're, you're the doubles player, that's what you guys do, not me. Singles you can do serve and volley if you know how to volley, so you can show us a little bit, you know? Like I teach uh, you all day long. But this is not fun then, this is just, you know, the, the point is so over so fast. Let's yeah. look at the rally placement. The people want to see you making really good volleys, really good serves. The people right now, I don't think they really, they want us to have as long rally as we want as we can. Man, can you can you do can you say something useful and not be this useless all the time? Like you're useless outside the court already. Can you just be a little bit more useful on, on the court or no? Can you? Oh, this is bad. this is this is too too tough for you. Just bend. say one thing that is actually useful. Come on, okay. I'm listening. Bend your knees, hit the forehand over the net. Wow. You, yeah. Good, okay. Good job. You seriously think you're ever gonna get a coaching job with that? Make the volley in front of your body. I have to teach you everything. Man. I've hit about two volleys, and both of them were weird. I don't know why we even talk about volleys right now. So, go more to the net. I have all the stats here. You go to the net just to shake hands. Just go serve volleys and do this stuff. Just to, to improve your skills. What's a, what are the stats? Come on, tell to me. Make fun. Tell me. Tell me what are the stats. You make, make two volleys. Let's go, man. Come on. Well, in the uh, players' lounge, ATP Radio, Marcelo Mello, world number one doubles player potentially world number one team at the end of the year and now super coach how was that with uh, with Sasha yeah it was funny uh, just came here to see how it is the, the next gen finals is amazing the atmosphere here I came with him uh, so it was fun to be a coach for one day uh, I hope I give him some tips 
and uh, it was fun. It was fun. I, I think he liked it. I like it. And let's keep moving on. I think it is a, a very nice tournament for them, for next general, for ATP, for tennis in general. What did you think of all the sort of rule changes? I think some of them is really nice to come. And of course, it's the first tournament we're trying. Need to see the feedback from the from the people watching, from the players, from TV, from everybody to see which one we can apply on tour. Uh, I'm completely in favor of some of them, like the shot clock. I think the shot clock is very nice for for the players, for the public, for the umpires to see uh, the time. So we see. I hope uh, some some of them come through to the to the official uh, tour during the year. But uh, if not, uh, we, at least we try something new. Yeah, because they changed the, the obviously the doubles ruling. Was it over a decade ago now? It seems like a, maybe a decade ago with a sudden death of Juice and and obviously you know, and and do you think the singles players could embrace that? Yeah, we, doubles we switched uh, nowhere. We had the match tiebreak. I think for doubles was great. This move, uh, a lot of singles players is playing doubles, and uh, why not to have in singles? I think uh, if they, I think they can adjust like we adjust in doubles. Uh, we're gonna be more fun for the for the crowd. I think every we need to go with the tennis to this way to be fun and uh, for the people enjoy even more. Let's bring it back to you and your year. It has been spectacular 2017. You've played such amazing tennis, both of you. It was at the beginning of the year, a new pairing. Uh, but talk to us how it's sort of evolved and super confident now. Yeah, we did not start the best uh, way we could, but uh, was the first year we started to play together. This is normal and then get used to each other. We need to play some tournaments. So after Indian Wells, uh, in Miami, we start to play way better, and uh, now I think we're playing very solid. We had a really good results. We won a Grand Slams, like three Master Series, five finals in the same year. So, I mean, we are the number team in the world, so it's very fun, and uh, we are very happy to achieve this. And looking forward to play the finals. Pinnacle winning Wimbledon was good. It was good. It was a nice feeling to win Wimbledon. It was my dream since kid. Lucas was very happy as well. So let's move on to see if we can get another Grand Slam. Yeah, it would be great for you to, to cap off what has been an amazing year to, to win the World Tour Finals. Um, how was it sort of this, this week? Because it's, it's a rest week for you after winning Paris. So what, are you, what are you doing? Yes, uh, we're going to be practicing from tomorrow there in London. And uh, really, really looking forward. Sorry to to play the finals. I, I have one final there with Ivan. We lost to Bryans at the match tiebreak. And uh, I think it's gonna, if you can win the tournament, it's gonna be the perfect year for us. Uh, many dreams come true the same year. And uh, I think we are in good shape to do it. Let's focus, keep calm, confident, and uh, go for it. And your brother, who's also your coach, would he potentially, if you want it, would he potentially do a Peter Popovich after? Uh Krajinovic, who, who won his semi-finals? Yeah, I saw it. Actually, I have to be honest. I, I, if he does this, I would not like that much. Uh, I think we should, if he wants us to do this at home, he could, but not on the tennis court. Brilliant. Thanks for talking to us, and good luck next week. Thank you so much. So a lot of fun had on court with Sasha Zverev, and well done for him for coming down and supporting the next-gen finals. And also Marcelo Mello, who's going to be competing in the doubles at the NITO ATP Finals. We're going to be taking a closer look at that in the ATP Tennis Radio podcast in a few moments. But it wasn't just the current players who made their way to the Fiera Milano this week. Richard Krajicek among the big names to make their way courtside and give their thoughts on how the week has gone. Well, the eight next-gen players aspire to be what my accomplished guest has been, which is a former Grand Slam champion, former Wimbledon champion, 1996, Richard Kreischer, welcome to ATP Radio. Thank you very much. What brings you here, a little scouting mission, because your, your role in tennis is 
tournament director of Rotterdam. So uh, for you, he's probably a keen eye on the rule changes and how this tournament is is, is all set up. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, the rule changes, that's why I'm here. Take a look. Uh, next gen is important for our tournament. We always try to mix our tournament with uh, top players, uh, Dutch players and next gen. And uh, we actually have uh, the first three seats uh, are in our event uh, that, are, that are seated here. So are going to play Rotterdam next year. So for us and our sponsor, it's very important uh, to have next gen players. So, um, But now today I'm here to watch uh, what's happening with the rules. Some of them I have an opinion about already before. Some of them I really wanted to see how they play out. And um, yeah, it was very um, happy I came. And has anything surprised you? Anything that you thought would be better? Anything that you expected to be to be great, but maybe just hasn't quite got lived up to your expectations? Yeah, what I really wanted to see in action uh, was uh, the no linesman, and uh, unfortunately, I don't like it. And the reason why I don't like it is uh, I think it's very great, but it's a little bit too clinical. And and uh, for the crowd, it's nicer when there's the challenges and. Um, yeah, and, and that's gone. But the way the court looks, no linesman, it, it's a nice clean court in a way, but it's almost too clinical in a way because it's always a perfect call. So, uh, no, I like the linesman. I like the, it's a little bit the human emotion. And uh, when, when the players used up uh, too, too many uh, challenges, you know, and it's 5 all, is he going to use now his last challenge or is he going to wait for a more important point the next game? And what's going to happen? So... Um, yeah, that, that's the one, but uh, I knew already I don't like the no ad, I hate it. I love the best of five, I think that's great. Uh, for me, it can be introduced tomorrow. Uh, because? Uh, because all the time something is happening, it's important. The, 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 the points are important, the games, you don't want to leave. You know, you're like, uh, normally you go, I go quickly now to the bathroom, I, I, get, I take a, a quick sandwich or something, I'm going to buy a quick sandwich. You can't, because every game is almost uh, is important, every game counts. So, uh, uh, and before you know it, you watch a match for an hour and a half, and it's like, oh, this was over quickly, no, I was here an hour and a half. So that's, that's the strength. So if you want to keep people like on the edge of the seat, entertained, I, I think that's great. Um, I, I would love more as a tournament director, uh, even a shorter warm-up. Uh, to what sort of length? Uh, one minute. For me, it would be ideal. Players come on court with the racket in the hand. The ball boys take their bags, uh, they do the toss at the net. They hit uh, one minute, uh, 45 seconds, few serves, and then start straight away. Because the build-up with the lights, with the music, with everything, laser, whatever we are doing and investing. It's such a great build-up. And then, you know, by the time the player sits down, the ball, they toss, do the coin toss, then uh, hit, and then after the hit, the warm-up, they sit down again. Takes a little bit of the the, the, the tension away. So uh, I understand it. I used to do it also. I like to take my time. But I think, yeah, it would be a, a greater start to the match. But the best of five for me is the most important. Uh, I love it. So interesting listening to your views, and your views clearly are as a tournament director. I'm going to take you back now as a player. Would you have had the same views if you were still playing? Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't think I would like the one-minute warm-up at all. Um, I think I would... As, as a huge uh, server, do you think it would have helped you, first of four? Um... That, I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. But I, as a huge server, I wouldn't like to know that. Because it's very difficult to win two points in a row. 
Yeah, from Juice, you have to win two points in a row to break a server. A big, but you can win one point. You can have a, 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 maybe hit a double fault or a, a lucky return. Or but to hit two shots like that is difficult. So the no add, I don't like it now, and I wouldn't have liked it as a player. Best of five up to four. Uh, uh, maybe as a player you don't like because sometimes you want to relax also. You know, like ah, oh, I just hold my serve first couple of games, and it's two all, three all. Okay, and then the set starts, and we see. So you don't you get a bit of a breather. But uh, I think as a tournament director, but also as spectator, yeah, the best of five is uh, two four is cool because every game if you get broken, you hardly get a chance to break uh, back. So uh, yeah, I think yeah, it, it, it adds to the intensity of the game. In your role at Rotterdam, you would have seen at close hands Zverev, who, who really started to emerge at the beginning of last year. I remember a match that he had a, against Simon where he really dug deep and showed his, his true qualities. And I think the quality here has been special from the eight players. Well, what do you think is important for them to make that next step to become established like Zverev has been able to do this year? Uh. Yeah, I, th I think you just have to you have to work hard and, and keep fighting, keep improving your game, and um, yeah, it's just you have to believe a little bit. You know, sometimes it can go very quickly. I mean, uh, uh, Rublev has been struggling in a way for a couple of years. You thought, oh, great player, I saw him two years ago, and not until he was a lucky loser and in Umag this year, when he was still like around 100, 120, and suddenly it clicks there. So, and if you don't put in the work before, you don't, eh, then it, it would never click because, but he's been working hard all these years. So I think that's important and, um, and see everything as a, yeah, as a lesson, you know, as a, like, okay, I lost today. What did go wrong? You know, I mean, you played maybe 20 tournaments a year. Now, if you win two, you're doing very well. So 18, you for sure lose 18 matches in a year. And if if you after a last match are down for one or two or maybe even three days that you don't really want to practice or not going to give 100% in practice i mean three day three days that's 54 days you lose if you uh, and and that's and that's a lot in a year you know let's say you maybe you don't practice every day but let's say you practice 300 days you know it's, it's one sixth of the year you lose basically so uh, and it looks like small things but th that intensity guys like djokovic and nadal they don't have that, you know. Uh, you have to keep the high intensity. You have to keep push yourself, and uh, and and then the rewards will come. I mean, Sergio Bruguera once said a good thing in an interview, and I think that's the way uh, you should think. You know, he says, yeah, the Spanish way is you work so very hard. You have to learn how to suffer. If you can't suffer, you cannot be good. And if you work hard, there's only two results you can have. It's either going to be good or very good. And I think that's uh, that's the way you thinking should be. Richard, it's been a pleasure to have you on ATP Radio. And much. good luck next year. And what, what can we expect? Anything? Rule changes? Or is it, or is it tough? For, it would be tough for just Rotterdam to push it through. But I guess you can be, you can be a, a, in, in someone's ear at the ATP. No, no, I can, uh, well, I can say what I like. When I've been saying uh, already to ATP what I like and don't like. Uh, I think it's up to the, to the board. And I think the Grand Slams are important because they have to be also on board, you know. So uh, because you want to make the rule changes across the board in tennis, basically, totally in tennis. And the Grand Slams are our uh, four biggest tournaments. So it would be great if it's implemented uh, the rules also in Grand Slams and, and that everybody gets together and say, you know what, we want to make tennis more interesting and we don't want to change it too much because we want to still recognize it, you know, not that it's a totally different sport, but there are a few things that we can uh, 
we can change in the sport that makes it interesting and still you keep the identity of the sport. Richard, thanks very much for your time. Certainly some interesting comments there from the Rotterdam Tournament Director. This week has also given us an opportunity to find out a little bit more about these players who we'll be seeing a lot more of in the coming years, including a man known to his friends simply as Bear. Well, I'm with Daniel Medvedev. Welcome, Daniel. It's been a, a remarkable year for you. I was just looking at your results 12 months ago. You're playing a challenger, now firmly established on the tour. What's your take of 2017? Um, it's been a lot of ups and downs for me, but uh, as you said, I, I have been playing only challengers last year mainly. Uh, my first main draw tournament was this year where I made final in Chennai. So I'm quite happy with my year, even if I have a lot of things to improve uh, uh, afterwards. But all in all, I'm happy with my year. Being firmly established in the top 100, you have to be accomplished on the court you have to be able to win matches but what's it like off the court because the demands of being a player you know you don't have to just deal with winning matches but travel have to deal with the press how have you found all that uh yes it's it's all very tough honestly i didn't even uh, imagine that it would be that tough so as i said this first year on tour is a lot of experience for me and i'm i need to use it now with my coach because uh, it was his also first year on the tour. We need to use it to become better together because, uh, as you said, when you play, uh, w when you play challengers, you can, uh, um, you can choose more tournaments for yourself, play maybe only in Europe, somewhere close to your home, go by car. When you're playing on the tour, you have to travel a lot. You, have to, you don't have a lot of time to just relax, you, you are always on the run somewhere, playing matches, press, uh, doping, uh, everything all together is very tough, and, but I like it, I like it. Probably looking forward, I mean, you'd like to finish on Saturday, but looking forward to a little bit of rest time. Uh, yes, I'm going to rest uh, straight after Milan and I'm really looking forward for it. What, what does Daniel Medvedev do in his relaxation time? Uh, well... Before, I didn't have any uh, resources to do anything, so I was just uh, playing PlayStation at my home. But this year, I'm going with my girlfriend on an island, and yeah, I hope I'm going to relax good there. And I would imagine no racket with you? No, <laughs> no racket, definitely. Maybe PlayStation again. <laughs> so when you play PlayStation, there must be a football game. Because uh, someone of your age, if you're playing PlayStation, it's got to be a football. Uh, well, I... I'm honestly a person who likes to win in every game he plays. I, I'm shocked. No, honestly. <laughs> so, um, before, let's say, four years ago, I was, uh, let's say, among the top 20 guys in FIFA in Russia. I was No. <laughs> I was playing tournaments on money. I was winning some of them. It was very fun. And I was playing junior tournaments, so I had a lot of time. Uh, becoming professional, I have less time for PlayStation, so I became worse at FIFA. And I don't like it to play it now because I remember myself being so good and now I'm just average and I get crazy. <laughs> so I started to play more some other games like shooting and some other stuff where I don't get crazy. So Daniel Medvedev had a choice to make. Often, often, often you hear about tennis players, they have a choice to make whether they want to be a professional footballer or professional tennis player. Daniel Medvedev had a choice of professional tennis player or professional PlayStation football. It's amazing. Well, actually, it's funny because I was playing in a FIFA uh, club, yeah. Russian club, 
So, so how much practice does, do you have to go to be, become an expert on FIFA? I, I was playing a lot. I didn't have a girlfriend or anything, so I was playing a lot. And as I said, I was playing in one club where two guys are now playing professionally, internationally, FIFA. And they win uh, money, they have sponsors, they are playing for like, you know, when a football club gets the skipper sportsmen uh, to wear their jersey on the tournament. So two of them, my friends, uh, they become this. That's funny. Well, now you've had a great year on tour, you can sponsor them. Uh, well, <laughs> I had a great year, but uh, that's later on, I think. The nickname Bear, where does that come from? Uh, that's very easy. My uh, surname means Bear in Russian, so that's it. <laughs> and training in Monte Carlo, because Russians have had a lot of good, great players over the years with um, Kafelnikov and Safin, but now the three of you, they're all, you're all going to push each other, Rublev, Hashinov, and yourself. So what, why did you choose um, France as your base for training? Uh, I came there three years ago because uh, at some moment you need to, to leave Russia to have a better practice and better facilities. Uh, and my sister was living in the south of France, so we, cho we chose to try there. So far I have been progressing uh, in the rankings, in my game. I like it very much there, and that's why I practice there. And looking forward to next season, 2018, are you someone who likes to set goals, or are you someone who is more of just the process, do things every day to make yourself better? Uh, second one, I love uh, the process, and I'm I, I'm sure that if you if you have the level, you will get the ranking. So I don't really set myself goals. For example, this season I reached the top 50. But finally, with the points of Chennai, I can quite drop almost to 100. So what is this goal to reach top 50 if you don't stay there? So I just uh, need to improve big time uh, physically, mentally, my game. And I'm sure I'm, I, will, I will be better next season. Daniel, thanks very much for talking to us on ATP Radio. Good luck and all the best. Thank you very much. Yes, so there he is, Daniel Medvedev, finishing third in the next-gen ATP finals. Uh, he didn't end up playing. The playoff match with Borna Chorich withdrawing before the match could get underway. But, Harv, it's been a good season for Daniel Medvedev. We're going to say that about all eight players mm. who had competed uh, this week. But, you know, for Daniel Medvedev, a nice springboard for him. Won a title in 2017, was inside the world's top 50, ranked about 65 now. He's got a tremendous springboard for next season. Absolutely. Gets uh, himself in the best possible shape. Uses this off-season to, to get stronger physically, mentally, because uh, at times we saw this this week that physically, you know, he was struggling at times, looking as if he was uh, running on fumes. Understandably so, because it's been a very long season for him and it was brutal out here uh, mentally as well. So a bit of rest. But the game's so simple, isn't it? You know, I think if he can just develop his forecourt and his, uh, his game coming forward, Again, uh, ticks in the right boxes for me. Well, let's have a look at the next-gen ATP finals from Milan. We can say it was uh, a, a successful event. We look forward to it again next year on the ATP World Tour calendar. But now we focus our attention on the NITO ATP finals here on the ATP Tennis Radio podcast. Peter Mercado and Arvind Palmer with you as we look ahead to the action at the O2 Arena. Remember, all the doubles and singles action live on ATP Tennis Radio throughout the week. Arv, is it too simple to say that Roger Federer is going to be the favourite for the tournament and all the rest are just behind him? I think uh, I think you can definitely put him as favourite. I think what we've seen from him of late, 
what we've seen from him this year in general has been you know phenomenal stuff he has really found a, a balance hasn't he as far as you know not overplaying, only only playing when he's 100 percent fit and he feels uh, that uh, he's not risking any sort of of injury seems to have uh, played nadal perfectly in so many matches this year mm, so yeah i think he is the favorite and uh, he's such a great indoor player isn't he so rafael nadal I mean, obviously the knee injury coming out of Paris. He wrapped up the world number one ranking. He says he's right to play. He's feeling mm. okay at the moment. It's a long season. He hasn't had a good record at the, the ATP finals in the past. He hasn't won the event yet. How will the knees hold up, do you think, after what's been a busy season for him? Yeah, it's been physically demanding. You just look at the way he plays. You know, it's 100% every single point. Mentally incredibly tough. Still another great season. I mean, brilliant winning uh, the French for the 10th time and, uh, of course, uh, winning the US Open as well after such a such a long time. So so whatever happens this week, it, it's been a phenomenal year for him. But, yeah, it was interesting to, to, to listen to his interview, actually, after he pulled out in Paris and said, well, if I don't feel like I, I can can win the tournament I probably won't play so encouraging that he's here in London and he must feel at this stage that he can get through the matches required to lift the trophy at the end of the week absolutely there's so many other players in this lineup you look at guys like Marin Cilic we've got David Goffin who's got a busy couple of weeks coming up anyway Jack Sock who got in just by the skin of his teeth in the Paris final winning the tournament and winning his way through I mean, there's so many great storylines. Sasha Zverev, who's yeah. playing here for the first time. Who are you liking out of those uh, other six players in the draw? Who could make their mark and go deep into the event? Well, I think if if, if Zverev has used his little bit of time off wisely, the 10 days or so since he's, he's lost in Paris to, to just mentally regroup and just freshen up, I think what we've seen from him this year on the whole has been great I mean he has the game there's not many weaknesses uh, huge serve a big forehand and backhand moves so well uh, for a big guy as well so I think uh, you know he, ha he has a has a, a real shot now I would uh, probably along with Federer pick him to come through uh, that Sam Prescott that sorry that Boris Becker group and uh, the other group for me Dimitrov has been good he's uh, looked strong bit of time off uh, pulled out of the tournament after after Stockholm just to have a little bit of rest. He got unlucky in Paris, actually played a great match there, losing out to, to Isner. But I think he'll take a lot of heart from that. So I think he could do well. For, for me, I think Nadal coming through that group, the Sam Press group with, with uh, Gregor. Funny you should talk about Grigor Dimitrov. Very nice segue from you. Let's get an insider's view from Grigor Dimitrov's coach, Danny Velvedu, who's been speaking with Seb Lozier. I'm here with Danny Valvadou, coach of Grigor Dimitrov. And uh, Danny, the end of a, a very long season. First things first, and most importantly, how is Grigor feeling? Uh, he's feeling good. Uh, obviously, very happy and proud to be here, which uh, it's uh, pretty obvious. Uh, but the week has been good. Uh, we've had a couple of days of training at Queen's. Uh, that went pretty well, took a day off, and now we've spent already a couple of days here at the O2, getting used to the, the conditions, uh, the different court. Uh, it's the court is quite different to any of the other courts during the year, so it takes the players a couple of days to to adjust to, to the conditions. Uh, so it's been it's been a good uh, lead up to the event. I think most players are, are quite excited and, and ready to start playing. So uh, looking forward to it. I think it's a it's a good way to end the season. I think it's a it's a nice reward for most of the players that have made it, and I think they're all looking forward to competing. 
You say you've been training at Queen's. Um, what sort of surface have you been playing on there? Uh, same surfaces here. They usually set up a couple courts, uh, the same as the as the ones here at the O2, just for, for the players to start getting ready right at the beginning of the week before everything is uh, all set here at the O2. So usually the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you spend it at Queen's and you start getting to the O2 on Thursday. You started with Grigor this year. Um, was it in the plan? To make London? I mean, you know, realistically, uh, you, we spoke in Monte Carlo, you said that it was a long-term project. Was London on the radar? Uh, at the beginning of the year, when we set the plans, actually last December, it was our long-term goal for the year was to finish in the top 10. And uh, once that, when I showed him that, he said, actually, let's make that the top eight. So he changed it himself before the year started. So... I guess it was one of them. Uh, mine was to finish top 10, but he, he asked me if we could change it to be in, be in top 8. Uh, so I'm glad he changed it because, like uh, like I've said in the past, he usually meet, meets uh, most goals that, that we've set. So, uh, yeah, I, I can I can uh, tell you that it was one of the goals and, and we're both very happy that he achieved it. Obviously, it's been, a, like you said, a long, long year, uh, but uh, definitely worth it. A uh, few ups and downs in the middle of the season, but uh, I think that that taught us a lot of things of, of how to get better and, and how to be more consistent. So I think he's in a good place now and, and hopefully we can we can end the year strong. strong. Yeah. And you've been here before, of course, with other people. How much have you shared with him about what you've done previously? It's a new experience for him. There are a few things that are different this week uh, that you need to adjust to. Obviously, it's a much smaller feel, much more intimate. Uh, you see each other constantly, the guys that you're having to play against. So... Trying to keep to yourself, trying to focus on, on your on your side of, of the job, and and trying to adjust to the to the new conditions too. It's it's a brand new event for him. Uh, usually, you don't get that at all throughout the year. You go to places where you've been going there for for many years in the past. So it's a uh, it's a brand new experience for him. So it's just about getting used to the surroundings and and, and the schedule and and taking the boat from the hotel to the to the site. So I think he's uh, he's pretty used to it by now. But it's definitely a new experience that he's having to adjust to. He seems remarkably relaxed doing, you know, interviews with Roger Federer at the launch and, you know, doing things with the Uncovered program. Does he enjoy doing things like that with the media? And he, he seems a very relaxed person. Yeah, I think so. He's a very relaxed person of the court, uh, which I guess is part of his personality. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, uh, it's kind of the way he is. He's a very outgoing person, very, very friendly person. So I think he, he definitely enjoys doing all the off-court stuff. And the last competitive match he had was against John Isner. Looked to be going really well in Paris. He was looking very good. But that type of match, funnily enough, probably quite a good preparation. So tight. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think it was a bit of a bummer not to win that one. Uh, he uh, was 5-2 up in the third, had match points at 5-2 and then served for it at 5-3. But overall, I thought it was a high-level match. It's never easy to play John indoors. Uh, always very challenging with the serve and, and you have to stay focused throughout the whole match so I think he did a good job at that and uh, and I think that that was definitely a good preparation for this week in a way that he, he was able to compete uh, for the whole length of the match unfortunately he, he was not able to close it out but but I think um, as a preparation for this event, it, it was definitely a good one. Yeah. And it's a good surface for him, as you say. He starts against Dominic Team, for whom it's arguably not a great surface. It, it is on paper a very good start for him. Yeah, but I think when when you step in into this into this kind of a arena and this kind of situation, uh, it's the same for both players. They're both both going to be a bit nervous. It's the first match of the group. Um, I agree, it's a good surface for Grigor. Uh, it's uh, 
it's I, I would say probably his best surface playing indoor tennis when when the court is is a bit quicker than than the other ones. But uh, again, Dominic is a very dangerous player, especially if he's on uh, with the way he hits the ball. He can put you on the run straight away, and especially when you're nervous, uh, you need to make sure you're the one that's keeping him on the move and he's not the one in charge. So I think it will be a challenging match, especially because it's the first match of the group and, and both guys will be a bit nervous once the match starts. So I'm, I'm expecting a, a very difficult match. Yeah. And then he also plays David Goffin and Rafa, against whom he's had three very close losses on hard courts this season. That must give him confidence, the fact that he's gone so close against Rafa. I hope so, yeah. Or he can also work the other way. Uh, but uh, I think uh, I think he feels that when he's playing his best, he, he's, he can play toe-to-toe with Rafa. Uh, I think he's shown that a few times this year. It's now about being able to, to maintain that level at the crucial moments in the match, which is what Rafa does extremely well. He, he manages to maintain the same level or even raise it when he needs it. So it's just about Grigor making it happen when, when the match is getting close. But uh, yeah, I think the, the group is a difficult group. I mean, number one player in the world. Dominic Thiem has had a fantastic season. He's ahead of him in the rankings. And then Gofan has had a fantastic last couple of months. So I think, uh, I think it will be a, a challenging week for him, but uh, I think an exciting one. Just finally, you've been here before. What does it take, do you think, to peak here? Is it, is it just, just that desire to do it? Or is it a bit of magic in the racket? Is it just finding things? You know, how do you make things click this week? Uh, it's not easy. Like also because of the of the setup of the tournament with the round robin, it's something different too. Mm. So I, I think it's just what it's just, it just comes down to how you're feeling that week. Hopefully, uh, the way you prepare for it can help. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's adjusting to the different environment, different court, uh, different setup with the round robin. Feeling like every match counts, every game counts, every set counts. So it's actually understanding the the concept of the of the event and embracing it as well. But um, but obviously the way you've been training and preparing for the last few months that that plays a big role uh, as well. So hopefully we've been doing the right thing. So he's ready to play this week. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. So Danny Velvedu, who's got a big week ahead of him with Grigor Dimitrov, who's had a particularly good season. Arvind, you're going to be working for Tennis TV throughout the week on the doubles event. And looking at the uh, doubles from Paris last week, the Paris Masters event, if we had anything matching the quality of what we saw there, which was pretty much the eight teams competing against one another there, it's going to be one hell of a tournament. Can you pick out a winner from from the, the groups? Oh, the whole thing? The whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? You Again, you can make a case. You know, uh, Murray and Suarez, you know, Murray playing at home, he's going to get the crowd's support. And they've, they've had a, another very good solid year. Kubot Mello, I mean, they've just been on fire, haven't they? They, I think, uh, the, the, the team to beat. And I think they're not too many match wins away from finishing number one either. So, uh, you know, huge carrot for, for them, them dangling. Great to see the Bryans still plugging away I mean uh, the dominant force for you know a decade or so and nearly 40 uh, so <laughs> and they're still finishing in the top eight. I mean, you've got to give them credit for what they've done for doubles yes um, you know really they are superstars as far as that's concerned it was a late surge from Dodig and Granoyes both great doubles players uh, Dodig a great singles and, and Granoyes in their own right as singles players so so many good players uh, Roger Takao have Huge games, the the French pairing of Hebert and, and Mahou. They've got the Davis Cup finals just around the corner, so they're looking to play so well. And Venus Harrison, I mean, French Open champions this year. Now, you can never write them off. Who would have, who would have uh, 
picked those to, to win at the French Open, so they've got, in many ways, uh, nothing to lose this week. And uh, Continent Piers, I mean, they were the dominant force this time last year, so they're looking to, to, to do it again. You didn't give me a winner, though. Yeah, it's so <laughs> difficult. I will probably I will probably go for Kubot Mello. All right, we'll hold you to that as we're listening to you on uh, Tennis TV yeah. throughout the week. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure. Well, that's all for this week's podcast. It's time for London to make its mark with the NITO ATP Finals as we crown the final winner of the 2017 season. Remember, you can hear ball-by-ball commentary of both the singles and doubles matches right throughout the tournament with us here on ATP Tennis Radio. You can hear us through atpworldtour.com on TuneIn or via the Tennis TV app as a free-to-listen option. Enjoy the tennis. We look forward to your company all week for the NITO ATP Finals. And thanks for listening to the latest ATP Tennis Radio podcast.